Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 345 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Bowden Sayer of Flight School Studios about their non-violent action-adventure game, Stoneflight. Now, if you recognise the name of Bowden, you may be a long-time listener, very long-time listener, because this is his second appearance on the show. First time is episode 247. He's chatting to us about Creature in the Well in September 2019. It's almost two years ago at the time of release of this show. Stonefly is an extraordinary action-adventure game. Really inventive, really creative, and really well put together. That's why I've got Bodon on the show to talk about it. I actually streamed it as well. Art style and the, well, the presentation of the world that you're in that seems to be very odd. That you're surrounded by these massive insects, and it's not a specific way whether to say that you're really small or everything is really big. It doesn't. Maybe I'd, I'd best not to go into detail, but I really, really, really enjoy playing and played. Playing? Played? Yes, Stonefly. It's definitely one of my favourite games of 2021 so far. So it's an absolute pleasure to have Bodon come on and chat about his experience with creating such a, an extraordinarily inventive and fun game. So let's listen to me. From the past, talk about Stonefly. Chris, if you'd be so kind. Bo. Hello. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, my name is Bowden Sayer. I'm the game director at Flight School Studios. And now, we just put out a game called Stonefly. Yeah, well, this, 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 which is why I've got Bo back on the show. Because he was yeah. on before in September 2019. Yeah, once one long, long time ago, a decade yeah. ago. Creature in the well, <laughs> creature in the well. Uh, it's been, during the before times, as we call them. Yes, the there times. you go. Um, and uh, we met at PAX West or East. I can't remember. I think both. East. Probably it was East. Actually, yeah, it would have been East. 
I go to both, you see, and both actually, I shouldn't okay, say this because Boston and Seattle couldn't be more different cities, but the events Very. themselves, they kind of blur into them. Once you're indoors, once you're, you're indoors, surrounded by sweaty people, yeah. In, yeah, the only way I, the only way it, difference is the lighting the lighting very different in west to, to east uh, but other than that it's just so get a bit blurred so but no we we met i managed to convince him to get behind the mic he, he wasn't hesitant but he was like sorry you strange english man yeah. talking yeah Love to. like yeah this is like a good idea and it, it and yeah here he is so that was episode 247 creature in the world but uh we're here to talk about stonefly but before we do we have a little bit of a preamble um, we're not going to ask about, you know, how Bo made his start and et cetera, et cetera, because if you want to know about that, just go back to episode 247. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but instead, let's talk about what you're playing right now. So, what, what's, what's distracting you away from, well, you know, um, Snowfire's yeah. released now, so you're just looking after it, you know, the post sale stuff. So, what are you doing to, to, you know, entertain yourself? I'm playing a lot of Valheim I really got into. I love, I, I don't know, I just realized I missed, like, constructive games, and I just hadn't touched them for so long. Like, I was always big into Tycoon games, Roller Coaster Tycoon, anything where, like, it's basically just Legos, and you get to build whatever you want, you know? Uh-huh. So I got, I went into Valheim, and I had such a blast, just, like, building trees and, like, tree houses and bridges and just been having a blast with that. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I've been playing a lot of Valorant. Also a V game, but entirely different. Basically CSGO, right? So like oh, competitive nice. competitive shooter. Okay. <laughs> like tactics, strategy. I don't know. There's there's just like something interesting about it. And it's fun because like I have a friend group who actually coincidentally are both interested in both games. So like we'll toggle oh. back and forth between the two. Which That's is really interesting to me, <laughs> yeah, because of how different those types of games are, you know. They are, they are very different. Um, so for for me, uh, you know, to to hear about Wilhelm and uh, I saw it and I thought, why, why does everything look like yeah. it's made in two thousand and three? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All the textures are like, why do they look like this? And it's I think interesting, it's be- right? Because it yeah, it's well, like 3D, but the texturing is pixelated, so it gives yes. you a little bit of a Minecraft vibe, which I think is kind of intentional. They like attract some of that like Minecraftness. Yeah, and I think pixel art, pixel art has a way of doing of like sparking imagination in an interesting way. Like yeah. when you leave a lot of gaps to be filled, and people, I feel like people fill them in with their imagination, and I feel like that's a large reason why pixel art can be so popular sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit peculiar, but um, yeah. It's, I, I just found it when the trolls attack, like, well, they're, they're quite big. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, but they are quite, a, maybe I should deal with that. Yeah, maybe before you build another table. No, I'll just build a table. No, seriously, you might want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> but the amount of times I've seen streamers and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to build this table. But really, uh-huh. you're not going to. I'm safe. They're not going to bother me. <laughs> no, they, they really are going to spend a lot of time bothering you. Um, but t- tell us about Valorant then. What what, what is the uh, appeal? I never played uh, CS:GO, and right. But I'm like casually into shooters, I guess. Like I played a lot of Destiny. Just, I love the exploration of it. I played, I don't know, a bunch of Halo, like classic shooters, right? But then right. 
I had a bunch of friends who had played CSGO and then they onboarded me into like the strategy of this game mode. It's very, the very specific, like, you know, attackers and defenders, someone's trying to plant a bomb, the other person's trying to defend. And I realized that it's just like so much more about like mind games and strategy than it is necessarily about like the Twitch, like shooting actions. You got to be good at that. Like you got to work on that. But it's really fun when you can like surprise people or like sneak up on them. It actually feels more like a stealth game in some ways like that because you're like really trying to like out outplay like someone else's, you know, uh, I don't know, plans, strategies. So yeah. it's been really fun. And we play with a big enough group that we get to keep it really casual. Like that game is like gets really competitive, obviously. And I think if you play alone online, like it's probably a totally different experience. But we do a lot of in-houses where it's literally just like 5v5, all of us in one party. And it's a little more chaotic and a little more fun. And I, I find like a ton of fun in that. It's been really, it's been really great. Yeah, it's when you sort of latch onto a game like that and you realize that if you actually play it within a small group of people mm-hmm. that you relate to it, you actually explore aspects of it that most people can't because you're in this position, this extraordinary position where you can actually play this game uh, yeah. in, a, in an environment that's controlled, that you can relate to each other, etc. Right, uh, yeah. That, and, and you actually explore something. I mean, I can relate to it massively when it comes to role-playing games. Um, yeah, sure. You, when you have a campaigns, uh, and uh, they go go on for sometimes eighteen months to two years, um, that happens. You know, you start exploring the aspects of the game that maybe the designer didn't originally intend, but the right. the, 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 the story becomes like a a tool at that point. It does, yeah, yeah. And I uh, never really thought a bit about that. I mean, uh, that's what sort of I shy away from the multiplayer thing. We used to do it all the time, but then the 12 year olds took over and exactly then you couldn't do it it can be a real bummer sometimes yeah but um but i think it's interesting because like underneath there is like some really fun gameplay you know and and like if the context is right and the setting is good i feel like it it really shines yeah and that's um i mean i also think about you know at the moment i'm streaming steel battalion which is that old xbox one game with the xbox one xbox original game with the ridiculous controller so I'm streaming that, and I'm also being invited to a small community that's still playing it online nice. via tunnel <laughs> software and stuff. And like, wow! And I actually hooked my Xbox up, my original Xbox up to my network, and said, yeah, you can actually still still play things online with the old Xbox. And it's amazing that people are still doing that. But those communities are so dedicated to the experience yeah. that they actually filters people. I mean, the barrier of entry is so high. Sounds a bit elitist, but it becomes to a point right. where the community, the kind of people to driven to actually go through all those hurdles. You know, right. it, it's, it's interesting because like we've got like physical sports that have lasted like many, 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 many years. And all yes. of these games are like like games are games, right? Like whether it's know. a sports game or a video yeah. game or whatever, like there's yeah. a set of rules and you try to do well in them. And it's interesting how some of them just like have that longevity, you know. That's I, I do view sports like that to some of my friends like amusement like what well, yeah sports are a game I mean at the moment we've got Euro twenty twenty yeah. at the moment with football and stuff so being British we're kind of obsessed with certain well uh-huh. English so England played on Sunday and well, at the time of recording and uh, I'm not sure how got how well they did by the time this show is released but uh, you know there's a whole national obsession I say national obsession but the the country gets rather right. interested. 
and time. you sit, yeah, but it is like it's just a game. You're right. It is. Yeah, it's ultimately a a set of rules. I mean, the amount of times you go, I oh, know it's offside. How do I know that? <laughs> just like, like yeah. split second. No, no that's, <laughs> he's offside. Look, they're offside. How do you know? Well, I could explain it, but it takes all. You know, I even know yeah. the rules of cricket, which is a you know, it's just it's that's it's a game. The whole thing is. There's no different. It's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and there yep. is no difference. And you're absolutely right. And once uh, you've gone to grasp onto that, and again, like tabletop games or, or board games and stuff like that, I mean, I play, I, I'm in an extraordinary position where I can play Twilight Imperium regularly. Uh, nice. But most people can't, you know, they might experience it once or twice. But me, it's like, I've lost count how many. I'm terrible at it. But, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know how to we, I own a group that enjoys right. playing these sorts of games. So from that, what you're telling me is that, yeah, you can actually enjoy a, a good old game of COD if you're <laughs> or Call of Duty, if you're in a group right. of like minded individuals. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, so, yeah, Halo Land Parties, right? That, yes. that was Halo Land Party is a different game than Halo, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> Because you 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 can get up and throw peanuts at the person saying, right. "I said yeah. stay at the flag." Did I not say that? You know, and whereas in when you're playing one, you know, online, you can only yell at them and, and get angry. Uh-huh. But yeah, right. but you're right. I still remember dragging my my original Xbox around to someone's flat mm-hmm. and, and trying to cobble together. This is back in the day of CRTs and televisions the size of Belgium, um, uh, and uh, really struggling. They were heavy. That. Oh boy! But it was worth it. It was absolutely yep. worth it. It was like unlike anything, and I'll, I'll never forget it. it was a highlight, gaming highlights of, of of the last decade or so, or two decades now. Best not think about it. But, but. Oh, good stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's do it. Let's delve into part two of the show, where we shall delve deep into Stonefly.
No. Yeah. Before we what can do, you do that. You, well, yeah. What? What is it? What is Stonefly? What is it? Oh my god. Yeah. I know. Give best of luck, both, because yeah, I'll get that's off to you. That's our challenge, right? Yeah. And we kind of we we knew what we were getting into, but like it's it's a bit of our mo. Like we make weird games, and I think it's really cool and it's really awesome to see when somebody picks up your game and they like discover a new type of play and it's also really challenging it's hard to watch somebody who's like i don't get it or they're like trying to figure it out or you're you're trying to like you know frame their like frame their point of view differently but stonefly is is an original game like there's a lot of influences that that went into it that made it what it is but uh and like i think it is describable with with those terms but it's really hard to represent it verbally until you like get in there and like try to control these bug shaped tiny mechs in a miniature world that f- glide around the forest and and shoo away other little critters. So it's it's top down, similar to a creature in the well. It's an action adventure game. You play as a, a girl named Annika Stonefly, the namesake of the game, and it's much more story driven than what we've done in the past. So. You were following a very specific story about Annika who loses her uh, dad's rig in the very beginning of the game, which is basically like you losing your dad's car or like you get, you know, she gets it stolen effectively. And so she kind of sets out on this grand adventure to go and find it. And it takes her all the way across the world and she meets this ragtag group of, of uh, kind of misfits a little bit called the Acorn Corps. And just kind of like finds her identity and like learns a lot about it herself. It's definitely a bit of a coming of age and a bit of like finding your confidence um, in the world type story. She's an inventor. And so that's kind of like the crux of the gameplay of the story. Honestly, you are constantly inventing new upgrades and new things to add to your mech rig machine. And the gameplay is set up such that you are like going to different places to, you know, potentially track down, you know, a thief, but also just to like gather the resources of the world. Like there are minerals scattered all throughout the environment and you have to like harvest them kind of like an SCV in Starcraft. You're just like lasering crystals out of the ground so that you can use them basically as a currency, but also as like a crafting material. It's, it's the gold and the silver and the iron of the world, except it's not called that. It's called a bunch of weird made up, mineral names so you go out into the world and you want to gather these minerals the challenge is that there are a lot of other critters and living things in the world that also want these minerals so you're kind of uh coincidentally confronting these these creatures to fight for the goods um and you do this in a little bit of like a king of the high king of the hill style gameplay so Smash actually Smash Brothers was one of the inspirations. We're like, yeah, we want to have this situation where you're gonna you're trying to go for this like pile of gold. There's a bunch of other buggos that are trying to go for this pile of gold, and you just gotta kick them off the stage, and do it fast too because they're gathering all of the gold up, you know, while you're working. And the faster you do it, the more will be left behind for you to benefit from. So that core gameplay is accentuated by like a bunch of different abilities and like crowd control things. Like we pulled a lot of reference from honestly games like Overwatch and anything that has like zone control, like put up a bubble or like put down slows that prevent the bugs from like moving as quickly. It's a lot about just like kind of like 
controlling this horde of bugs in interesting ways so that you can set them up and then push them off the level, get all the goodies, and continue on your journey to try to find your dad's stolen rig. Yeah, it was definitely a Ferris Bueller moment there when that happened. Like, no. Yeah, definitely Ferris Bueller, yeah. It was like, no, what have you done? No. Yeah, whoops, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, no. So, yeah, it's... uh, The guilt, too. Everyone comments on, like, there's a moment in the beginning where your dad is just, like disappointed not yeah. mad at you i'm not just mad disappointed at i'm just and it's really it's disappointed. gut-wrenching <laughs> you know it's like i brought it up thought i brought it up better than that like oh no just stop it like you know yeah. it's just a really really well done uh and there's some other yeah. little quips at the very beginning as well but when you meet the rag tackler uh what we're a corpse <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> since it's when you know it was really yeah um, but it's a fascinating world and um there's a lot of there's a lot of backstory in there like there's so much we wrote for the world and the universe that we didn't get to put in the game like there's Mm -hmm. only so much we can do in however many hours of gameplay we're going for and however many like lines of dialogue we can write and so on and so forth so there's like it's really interesting to try to work all that in somehow and just like try to yeah. represent the different facets of the world as much as you can. Indeed. So, first design question then. Yeah. And this is a fairly obvious one, but I want to talk, we've already hinted at it or described it, is that the interaction with the bugs in or the yeah. other creatures in Stonefly is one of non-lethality. That's a word. Yep. Nothing Definitely. is It's non-lethal. It's... It's you are not causing harm to others. You're simply going, look, I know you need these resources, but I do too. So I'm just going to push you over the edge of this very large leaf that we're standing on. If you know, mind. Um, And I'm going to ask you the question. Why? And that's very obvious why. Sure. And also, how have you found working within that prescribed constriction or criteria that... You know, the hostile acts are that of inconvenience and not permanent harm. Yeah, I, it's definitely one of the biggest challenges we take on. We did that and we had the same goal and requirement in, in our previous game, Creature in the Well. We wanted to make an action game that wasn't violent, that was nonviolent, right? Mm, mm. And we figured that out with like inanimate objects in, in Creature in the Well, like a pinball machine. We're like, yeah, this is cool. We still get to like swing swords and stuff, but. And like do actions that you'd be used to in like a brawler, like a beat 'em up or a dungeon crawl or something, but it's non, it's uh, whatever. In this game, we wanted to also have that challenge. We're like, yeah, we don't want to be violent against somebody. We don't think it's necessary. We want to try to take the challenge of proving out action gameplay that is still like still uses some of the same skills you would do in like other combat games, but is just framed differently and you know behaves a little bit differently. While also dealing with intelligent other, like, you could call them enemies, but, like, intelligent uh, opposition, right? Conflict. Hmm. Because we want to, like, I feel like there's a lot of interest there when, like, something, you're dealing with something else that's living and thinking. And I feel like that creates a lot of opportunities for interesting gameplay. Like, so many games are about dealing with enemy AI or dealing with other humans in a multiplayer game or something like that. So we wanted to try to introduce that. It is a huge challenge, and I really do like the solution we came to, which was just kind of like, like Smash Brothers is like pretty violent. You're punching people, but in the end, it's also 
like you're not destroying or killing people. You know, you're like knocking them off the stage. Yeah. So I feel like, get, you know, I feel like we, we were really keen to that. And the size of bugs, too, you kind of know, like, if you knock an ant off a leaf, they're going to live. Like, they're never going to, like, splat on the ground somewhere. They're going to, like, float down gently and then, like, land on another leaf or something. Yeah. 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 So it's, we, it's, we just kind of like, OK, yeah, we can we can do this. We can make it about like shooing away bugs instead of like destroying or <laughs> like obliterating bugs, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just that's the first thing that struck me like, oh, well, I'm not actually hurting anything. I'm just stunning them. And then they're flailing around still, their little legs like turtles yeah. and then push them over the side. There's still some elements where we're like throwing rocks or like whatever else we're like all right i guess it's a little like it borders on a little bit confrontational but i do think mm. that the general demeanor of annika represented in the game is what we feel as well like we love bugs and we love the creatures of the forest and that's represented like there's a respect there that we wanted to try to establish at least while well, also yeah. trying to provide like really engaging combat i mean you, you ride a massive cricket at the beginning so you know. yeah that's not really a spoiler, everyone. They live uh, together. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're more integrated yeah. than humans and in animals on yeah, Earth, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. so, I want to talk about the movement in Stonefly because when you talk yeah. about that, and this, this, it's it's I, I this is how I describe it. You may disagree, but great. I believe Stonefly is anchored, pun intended, mm-hmm. around the concept of where you are in space relative to the surfaces i said ground in my question but you don't often actually go anywhere near the ground um sure but you are up and on the up in the trees and stuff um, leaves branches leaves branches that kind of thing what conceits have you had to employ to assist the plowing knowing what is safe and what isn't safe to land on what have you done to communicate back to the player yeah this this is you know this is in relief and this is foreground. What have you done? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big topic early in production because we made some prototype levels. And the prototype levels, I feel like it's a it's a little easier to pull off because you do some like heavy handed things like the main path you're on is like bright gray or whatever, and then the background stuff is like super dark gray or something that like visually distinguishes them between the two. And then when we started like dressing all of the worlds and doing all the environment art that started to like blur the lines. So then we pushed back really hard on trying to make sure that that got established. And one of the initial things that we really wanted to push on was like keeping, preserving a lot of the like gestural and rough and in specific, like, you know, the nature of like the art. So we kind of like leaned into having backgrounds that were very sketchy that were like, you know, just like pencil lines and like you could see the hand drawn nature of it. And I felt like that was a tool we used to really accentuate like this is a background. Like you can't land on it. It's not like 3D geometry even. There's kind of a distinguished like there's a distinction between what is the foreground, and what's the background. Color and value was obviously like huge and probably the second biggest mechanic there. Like we pretty much just established that we've got foreground materials and background materials like if we had a branch that was in the background that you're never supposed to touch and it's out of bounds or whatever we'd put a background material on it that was supposed to like push it way back and make it blend into the background more and hopefully distinguish that and then the biggest and then after that i feel like the challenge was kind of about like placing yourself in 3d space like you're saying and very early on 
we were like, we need some sort of guidance. We we love this idea that the mechs are kind of technical and have like a little bit like a cool like technology or like HUD systems going on to like assist you. So we came up with this like, you know, assisted HUD element that's kind of like a ray traced line that draws a line down from the mech and then out to like the nearest ground that you could hit. And it's cool because it gives you like a readout of like how high am I relative to each surface and also how far am I away from the next ledge that I could land on. So when you're crossing between gaps, which is common, you're almost always over like a pit. You can kind of get a little bit of a, a sense of like, cool, how can I make this jump or not? Like, am I too high? Am I too low? Is it too far? And that was like huge for placing the mech in 3D space, especially because we were intentionally going for more fixed camera controls. Yeah, you uh, are. Because the amount of times I kept on flicking the the right thumbstick and do something. Oh wait, I know. <laughs> it's just like, it's a, because that's what we do. We've been doing it for decades now. Thanks. Yeah. Xbox yeah, 360. It's I feel like we pushed it like so far into the realm yeah. of like feeling like fully 3d you know yeah. that we're like fighting against the 2d nature of the game and the camera yeah. right yeah since you're so but, used to it i mean you could argue <laughs> you could go back to the um, mario 64 that's when it kicked off and everyone was using the camera and that's what you do now you're just like that's what the right sticks for yeah. right just move it. oh right. wait it's not it's like, the camera it, stick yeah it's the camera stick that's what you do uh yeah. although unless it's grand turismo then it's the acceleration but that's not going there but uh no i i I, it's uh, i really was dumbfounded at how you come up with that because it's so simple and easy and it really pops out of the screen going see the little dot there so you can land on that you're fine just hit b whatever or a again and drop down the amount of times i initially kept on trying to double jump again you know many games demand that you oh yeah you can do a double jump like you jump in the air whereas in the the rigs here they don't do that they just float so if you actually hit the button again it will then collapse your stuff and then you fall to the ground shoots you downwards yeah (laughs) so i had to a little while of adjusting to that you know unlearn what i learned and that's fine i mean there's i don't know how many buttons are on a controller 14 or something ridiculous and there's the bajillion ways of combinations that you could do. And yeah. why does it have to be this language that we learnt on the PlayStation yeah. One? I mean, you know. Exactly. And it's a it's a challenge. Like yeah. you know, yeah. we 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 have to know what we're getting ourselves into when we're like going against the grain actively on something like that. But I really I do think we've seen a lot of people who have gone through that and been really excited about it. Like I personally am very excited when I start a game and I'm like, I don't really understand what they're trying to get me to do. But the, then by the time you master it, you've got a totally different like player behavior ingrained in you that you're not used to doing. You know, it's like not the traditional thing. No, it's right. You have to unlearn everything. As I said, you know, stop stop hitting A again. Why? I need to double jump. Why? You're floating. Why? What do you, what do you, you can't right. jump again in the you're, air. What you're are you doing? so used to playing <laughs> games that are so similar that like yeah. when the game is like, don't do what you're expecting it's like yeah. wait what <laughs> wait like because you know um the amount of times i've now had play, play games and there's no in, there's no controller instruction at all where they go well you know what to do yeah well they're the thumbstick it's moves the game. yeah how do i know that because you know because that's how it works that's the lexicon right, that's, the, that's that's the you know it's the language whereas it doesn't work with stonefly and i'm really happy you've done that all right. Thanks. Just Thank you. Appreciate that. Really happy you I don't think that. everyone agrees with you, but I think that there are a lot of people out there who do, and I'm I'm excited to make something for them. 
I mean, I, I've got an Xbox One controller plugged into my PC. You know, I play a lot of games on PC. Yeah. I play, I don't care about platform. I doesn't matter as long as it's, you know, right. engaging. I'm not, I mean, so I will have a controller and I sit there and I'm just picking away and, and having a great time with it. I just love the fact, I mean, it did force me to put a controller down and, and, and sort of like go, could you stop doing the double A, Chris? Stop it. It's not going to help you. The, the, the A opens up the canopy to let elevate it. And you jump and then you start flying. Yeah. Can you just get with that? You know, and uh, so yeah. it's, 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 we really tried to good. mimic that a little bit in Annika's story as well. Cause she first pilots her dad's rig and she's yes. not like super used to it. So yeah. she's kind of like, whoa, there's so many buttons. And, like, how does yeah. this thing work? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a very small measure to try to, like tell the player that they shouldn't know what they're doing. Like yeah. you should feel like you don't know what you're doing and that's yeah. intentional and it may be uncomfortable. And we kind of like, again, we're understanding that, but Annika and you work through it and come out the other end. Well, that's a fine rig he's got. No wonder he kept it under lock and key. He was just going to say, leave it at that. Yeah, it's fancy. But, uh, it's very fancy. But, uh, you sort of dabbled with the world. Let's talk about the world of Stonefly because yeah. I'm going to use the word. It's quite odd. Please don't take offence, but uh, yeah, it's, it breaks a lot of the norms and and uh, it, aren't, it, asks, it raises a lot of questions before giving you any answers at all. Um, I can describe it as this: it seems to be occupied by a collection of humanoids. Some of them are human-looking, yep. others are not, uh, but they definitely are bipeds for the most part. Anyway, uh, but there's also these giant insects. I'm not entirely sure whether you're really small or <laughs> the insects are really big. Uh, insects typically can't be really big because they collapse in themselves and right. the exoskeleton doesn't work. I mean, that's why you can't get giant ants because they, they, a, it's basically a gravity to weight over, ratio. Yeah. Which, they collapse in on themselves. Um, so that's why you can never have giant ants. So, yeah, Earth Defense Force win. But fine, it's not going to happen. However, um, the question is this. How have you found designing the story so the world and the people are revealed to the player through the eyes of the characters rather than you info-dumping huge narr narrative? How have you found yeah. it? Because that's what you've done with Stonefly. The, the, the player, there's no background at all. Nothing. You just... All you've got is the interrelationships between the players, the characters, right. and how they view the world. How have you found designing the narrative? Yeah, it was really important that we set up a stage for good character development in this. Like, we had a specific person in mind for Annika and specific people in mind for the rest of the Acorn Corps, Ravenwood, Tulip, and or Davin and Clara. And we just wanted to make sure we could set a stage for them to engage with each other so that through those engagements, they could, they could give us that information. We also did like have some intentional mechanisms in how we delivered the narrative that gave us insight into Annika in a first person perspective. There's moments where you go to bed in the game where you have to go into your tent and sleep on like a cot basically. And Annika has these dreams where she's, like speaking in first person about something that happened to her or like what she's thinking. She's sorry about what happened for her dad or like whatnot. And it gives you these little bits of insight that are really cool. And something that you normally get from like a novel, or like when you're reading a book and you can really see like inside the head of a character. Right. But yeah, we, we had like, you know, 
just a very very simple and fast setup like we don't get to spend a lot of time with Annika at home before we really kind of throw you into the deep end of the story but it was important that those few moments that we get tell you a lot about who Annika is what her relationship with her dad is her dad loves this rig but like she's kind of like insecure about it because she feels like maybe he gives the rig more attention than like her and there's like you know mild amounts of tension that you pick up through there that I think, you know, pay off in the end as well. Yeah. And each of the characters has that, like each of the characters has real backstories and that allowed us to, even when we only get like, you know, 10 lines of dialogue for a specific level when we're doing something inform exactly what every word is based on these like bigger backstories, you know, I just love the fact that these other characters always assume a level of prior knowledge on the part of, yeah, know, of, of the main characters, then find, uh, and she goes, "How could you not know this stuff? You know, where have you been? You know." And it's lovely to see her reveal, and uh, she's very naive initially, although very, very, very smart and very capable, right. more capable than people give her credit because of the way she looks and the way she she acts, which is sad, but that's how people are. You know, it's just the you know prejudice, or you, you prejudge someone even before they've spoken in some kind sometimes. Right. It's wrong, yeah, there's, but that's how it is. There's so many scripts of backstory that uh, Belinda Garcia and Adam, the creative mm-hmm. director on the project, just wrote right. about all the characters before we wrote the, even mm-hmm. the first line of dialogue. They're just like, yeah, here's who this character is, their bio, where they came from, how they met. That was really important to how we, like, putting putting the time and value into the characters and their development. Yeah, for me, that's, it relates to going back to the tabletop RPG stuff. For me, it's, you know, I always say it's the, it's the people Damn it! It's the, yeah. the people who occupy it. It's the, it's the, they're way more interesting than the, the the big monster may or may not exist. You know, it's actually how the people interact with the world, and that's what's really important. This is basic storytelling stuff, I know, but you'd be surprised how few people actually yeah. understand it. It's so hard to get right. Like if you yes. if you get even close, great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. you have to keep going back to that because you want to expand on the universe that you've made. But yeah. you can't unless you weren't mate unless you create a massive encyclopedia and turn it into Skyrim. But you yeah. haven't got the manpower <laughs> Lord, or Lord time to days. do that. You're, yeah, you know, people have you know so that's it's futile. So you do you work within your limits. Uh, exactly. And, uh, and that's that's what you've created and it's uh, it does Stonefire does definitely has a very defined beginning, middle and end. Great. I'm happy to say. Our last point and I I rewrote this last question many, many times, Bo, because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't superficial, and I don't want to come across as that. But we can't not talk about this without coming across as a little bit grey. But the point is, we haven't spoken about the how you can modify the machine you're using, the rig, so to speak. And we can't, I can't leave you uh, uh, and walk away from talking about Stonefly without addressing this and talking about it. How have you found designing the ability to modify the device, the, the great machine that you're... I mean, you start off with a heap of junk yeah, for reasons. Uh, uh, I don't see why or how, but, it, you know, you start off with sure. it. And, but eventually you build, you bolt bits on, you turn it into something quite special. Um. How have you found designing that and making sure that this is a common question I have with developers who have, one of a better phrase, tech trees, 
Um, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Master Brian. But you know, tech trees basically trees of uh, increasing ability while maintaining a sense of challenge and uh, achievement on the part of the player as they progress through the yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. We have we have the benefit of having like a pretty nice structured linear narrative and like every aspect of the game was kind of like broken out or like placed along that narrative like the introduction moments when are we going to introduce this new type of bug that has like acid effect status effects that will like cause residual damage or when are we going to introduce like something else and all of that i think then has a ripple effect on dictating as well like when do we introduce new concepts for your mech, which then lead to abilities and upgrades that are related or similar, right? So what's cool about it is we can also then like wrap a lot of narrative around that too. The whole uh, approach is that like as Annika is exploring this new world, she discovers something new, whether it's a new bug or a new location or like a new action or generic event or something that sparks an idea that creates an invention, right? So she invents this new thing. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I've got this idea for like, you know, a new wind thingy. And it's kind of like uh, Dark Cloud too. Did you ever play Dark Cloud? Oh, yes. Good, <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're like, like taking photos and like, like you're just like using the world to like inspire your inventions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once you've kind of invented that, it's about like hunting down the resources to like create it. So yeah. the whole everything about the abilities and uh, like their pacing as well is all inspired by the world. It's inspired by like the events that you go through, the types of bugs that you deal with. It's all designed to be, you know, a reflection of that. So, you know, we'll, we have a number of bugs in the game that have like different types of behaviors and abilities and the like response that Annika comes up with is directly suited to those bugs. We're like, oh, we've got something that's like, you know, really sticky, I'll find a way to like lift it off the ground better. Or we've got these flying bugs that are like super fast. I'll find a way to like hide inside of like a bubble that like can protect me from them. And there's a bunch of rock, paper, scissors mechanics like that embedded in the game that are like, yeah, this one ability you'll find is very specifically suited to handle this other, you know, situation, this one specific type of, of bug of. And when you find those patterns and you're like, I'm using the right tool for the right yeah. job, in sequence, that flow feels like really good. Yeah, we can basically go, ha, see, look, I've, I've, I've outsmarted the game. No, no. Exactly. Like once you've just... dealt with a bug ten, yeah. you know, 20 times and you're like, man, that was a pain, and then you get something that makes yeah. it way easier, that catharsis is like really rewarding. Yeah. He's like, that thing used to, you know, terrorize me. It's a classic, isn't it? There's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of action-adventure games that follow that because that's the hero's story, isn't the, becoming stronger and more capable and what have you and you encounter an old foe an old foe like yeah oh i remember spending two hours trying to kill that i've just killed it in a second right you know, I mean, remember that happened? remember when yeah. this like mini enemy was a boss <laughs> was a boss and now it's now yeah. multiple of them and you just dumped on them i mean i had exactly this, um if i may assassin's creed valhalla which is a game that took forever to finish but i did and towards the end there was these zealots that were roaming the countryside and initially our first one i encountered took me two hours to kill and the last one i killed right. i think it was about five seconds yeah because yeah, it's, it's you super got, rewarding yeah because it became so potent it was just like i just got to get rid of them now to finish the story hang yeah. on 
and this is dead. And it was, it was, it was at the point, I remember in the last one, I went, that's a bit anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. It was like, he's yeah. thinking that, like, the, oh, but well, it, that was simple. Okay. That, that was, I was hoping for a little bit more of a challenge, but no, I just popped you on the head and then you fell over. Fine. But, Stonefly, you much more subtle in that. Yeah, and it, we went for a, as like the whole design of the abilities and the the interactions that you have with all the bugs. We went for a much more like sandbox approach. It was actually tried. We tried to design it around just like inanimate objects and verbs related to like movement in general. Like yeah, we needed a verb for like things sticking to a surface, which we called anchor. We needed verbs for like pushing objects, lifting objects, flipping them over. And it didn't matter what it was. It could have been like a, a rock or a yeah. living bug or like whatever, but you just have tools to move things around. So mm-hmm. we just tried to slowly build up this repertoire of tools that the player could use to like perform positional actions to whatever is like in the play field. And that means that there's like a lot of ways to use each tool. Like every ability you get could be used in like a huge variety of ways. We were still discovering stuff like through the end of production that we're like, oh, I never thought about trying to use this this one way. And it makes it more sandboxy, um, which can be really fun. Like, you know, I feel like we've seen a lot of that in like Breath of the Wild where you're just like, people just go nuts on just like trying to experiment and like just see what they can do with different systems like that. That's kind of, you know, what we wanted to try to approach. Honestly, the Breath of the Wild, whenever I think of that, it, the amount of times I went into areas that I had no had no business being in, it was like, yeah. I'm going to die. And I, yes, yes, you need to come yep. back later, maybe. <laughs> but it, shouldn't there be a barrier or something? No, this is not Final Fantasy. Um, oh, yeah. Just yeah. up to you to discover. <laughs> yeah. So, Stonefly, uh, which is developed by Flight School Studio and published by MWM Interactive, is out now. On some platforms, now I've got into trouble before, both because I mentioned yeah. a platform that's not well announced yet. So rather than do that again, rather than get into trouble again, would you be so kind as to reveal what platforms uh, Stonefly is actually out on, please? We're on PC, on Steam, and Epic Game Store. We're on mm-hmm. Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox, Xbox Series X. So all consoles, basically, and a bunch yeah. of PC platforms. So you can find it. Yeah, I mean, I do have a 5, PS5, I know. One of the few. Yeah. Uh, they're great. I love the controllers and a, and a Series X because of the job. I have a controller uh, like, and not a PS5. I do no. my development like on PC with a DualSense, but I don't actually have a PS5. It it's, holds well, doesn't it? It just sits in the hand. It's I great. Like it. I it's love great, like it? uh, when new console gens were coming around, the yeah. single most excited thing was getting a new controller because it had been like yeah. seven years since anybody tried to make a new nice controller, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, And it's Windows PC, just to be clear for my Yes, sorry, just Windows only, not Mac yeah, or Linux. Not Mac. No. So my my poor laptop won't be experiencing. Sorry, that's <laughs> all right. It's all right. You can uh, right. remote play to your yeah. <laughs> to your Windows. Two, or I could just put Windows on the back. There you go. <laughs> I could do that. Um, but anyway, Bo, it's been wonderful having you on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's. I hope you had a good time. I, I certainly did. Um, Absolutely. Talk, talking open and honestly about the design and development of Stonefly, which is an extraordinary game. And Thank I you so much. I do think people need to experience it. I was going to talk about the the sound design and the sound, the score, but people yeah. heard it now on the show, but uh, it's incredible. 
So good. It's absolutely amazing. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Nature Boy. Um, we actually, like, we build a soundtrack for the game in, like, a Spotify playlist that's just an inspiration list. Mm. We're like, yeah, here's some placeholder tracks that just, like, give us a good yeah. vibe. And we had that, like, beginning of, like, prototyping. And one of the, like, recurring artists was Nature Boy. And yeah. we're like, why don't we just reach out and, like, see if, see if they're interested? And it, it's amazing that it worked out. The soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal. You should check it out on Spotify. There's also vinyls, too. I think you can pre-order right now. Really? You've got to check I it do, out. I do have a quite an extraordinary, you know, hi-fi. Sorry, I'm, I'm an old. But I do have a bunch no, of separate. You should um, definitely scope it out. Yeah, because I do. I do like playing uh, records on, on, on uh, you know, yeah. vinyl. Because I do have. A, I had to replace the the cartridge. God, that was expensive, but <laughs> it's yep. worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, it's got that warmer sound to it. You know, it's weird. It genuinely is a warmer sound to it. Um, That's cool. So, um, but like I said, Bo, wonderful having you on the show. More than welcome to <laughs> come back. Again, yeah, <laughs> um, we've had many return guests, and it's great to have you on again. But uh, I do wish you the very, very best of luck in this and whatever your future endeavours are. So thank thank you. you. Thanks again. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canonrince.com. <laughs>